Joel, welcome to the Invisible Path. How are you, man? Patrick, doing great, man. How are you doing? Good. So two two things. I don't know what the second one's going to be, but the first one is we now have enough videos on YouTube that I just want to mention that it's there. You can see Joel's beautiful background today, which is which is worth it. So if you haven't if you haven't found out that we have videos on YouTube and they are starting to kind of get some get some attention, um, they're out there. We put all these on YouTube as well, so you can find them. You can find them if you want to watch us. If you want to see our ugly mugs, that's an option for you. Or uh, you can keep keep these things these words coming in your ears. Um, real quick. There's uh, two questions that were sent in. The first one, super simple, comes from Dave. Uh, I'm gonna read this because it's not the first time I've been asked this question. When will the shirts be available? So there is a picture of me in a Becoming Legendary shirt. Um, I, I did those, I don't know, I did those a while ago. I, there are none left. Maybe, maybe in the future we'll do those again. If you really want a Becoming Legendary shirt, and, and as Joel's called out, there's a there's a certain level of pretentiousness to wearing it. There's also a certain level of non-pretentiousness to wearing it because you're not saying I am legendary. You're saying, hey, I'm trying to walk down that path. <laughs> so if you really are interested in those, reach out. Uh, if there's enough interest, we'll get those printed again. The real question though, uh, this came in from Jess. I was listening to episode five and it made me wonder, how far from enlightenment do you think you are? Joel, I'll let you go first on that one because that's a big question. Miles. <laughs> <clears throat> you should, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying more and more to just accept, uh, just accept it all, I think. Yeah. I think when I was younger, um, uh, I, I wanted to attain something get somewhere, have some sort of, uh, permanence w when it comes to, um, some kind of leveling up. Uh, but, uh, the older I get it, it just seems like, well, let the thing flow and be grateful and be aware, be aware when things are going well, have some gratitude for that and recognize that that isn't always going to last and that you're going to or at least me, I'm going to get caught up in all sorts of nonsense and head loops and, and little traps in the mind. And, uh, that is part of, that's part of the whole game. And I'm not going to get out of that. I didn't, uh, I didn't get that roll of the dice and I'll, I'm just cool with that now. It's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm not that good. That's fine. <clears throat> that's fine. Yeah. I'm not even working towards that anymore. I'm not even trying. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say how I'm at zero or whatever the furthest away is possible. Um, but I think, I think in your answer, there's, there's, uh, there's a little grain of like hope in that, right? Where it's like, oh, here are some things that I have recognized about myself. So once you've recognized a few things about yourself, you've, you've moved away from zero at least. And uh, moving away from zero is probably probably what most of us are going to achieve in our lifetime. So yeah, a long, long, long ways away <laughs> with, with not a, not a, I, so I would say the same thing, you know, I'm not, I'm not searching. I'm not currently on a, on that path, right? Like that is not a path that I'm uh, 
headed down that I have interest in heading down. Maybe someday that'll change. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll get hit by a bullet of lightning or something, but for now it'll just be me. Maybe it's just that every day that we get closer to just, to just <laughs> dropping the meat suit and checking out, <clears throat> that's, that's how much further you get <clears throat> towards True. that state. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And there is a lot of, um, you know, there is a lot of talk within a, within people who are, are conscious and aware about the enlightenment that does come at the end, right? There is, and there's, there's some interesting studies about chemical, chemical responses within the body and how different those are as, as we run out of time. So who knows, maybe everyone, maybe everyone ends up enlightened in, uh, in their own special way. Yeah. You know, I sort of have this strange feeling that like, regardless of how good or how just deplorable you were as a human, maybe in the end, everyone, like, I'm not saying this is how it is, but everyone just sort of, uh, I can envision this, right? Everyone ends up, you know, whatever in the afterlife and you all sort of still have some sort of identity from what you were on this, on this planet. And if people look around and just like, my God, like, Hitler, what the hell were you thinking? Why were you doing that? And he was like, oh, what was that? What happened? Like, what if everyone arrives at the same place? Yeah. And then there is this level, there is this just like pure understanding of like, wow, I really got caught up in some bizarre stuff there. Sorry yeah. about that, everybody. Knows? <laughs> That's, and of course, this is like a, this is an example that makes no one happy. So I have to throw it out there. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It is, but it should make it, it there, there is, okay, whatever the most, hor like the most, the, whoever, put the person who you think is the most horrible thing, has done the most horrible things ever, put that person in that experience, right? And the, they have this realization and this awareness. And then also understand that in that space, everyone would also like say, hey, that's okay. Like, we forgive you for that. We get it. Um, glad that you're now in this new place where where we all just love one another <laughs> who the heck knows yeah we'll have to save that one for a different episode because I, I don't think we're going to be able to get anywhere right now with that <laughs> okay so uh to transition into the topic i want to start with a with a quote from hg wells which is civilization civilization <laughs> is a race between education and catastrophe and the topic yeah. this week is catastrophe. No, it's it's education. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's catastrophe. <laughs> Depending, yeah. Depending, yeah. Uh, that's so a great. I thought one. that was, I, I thought that was a very interesting quote. Um, it, it it is a it is a very interesting place to start this conversation. Um, and I want to turn over a question to you to kind of jump in. Are there any moments in your in your educational career? that are like remarkably stand out, good or bad? <clears throat> oh, of course. <laughs> um, I think everyone probably has them. Yeah. So, yeah. So first of all, let me just hit, let me just hit on that quote for a yep. second. Let me touch on that. So, I mean, that, that really speaks to like our, um, our, the power of our imagination and our creativity and what we're capable of. And I'm sure that's where that came, that quote came from with a particular context towards world wars and 
conflict and and technological advancement that's in the in the terrifying realm like uh, atom bombs and all that so can we keep up with our moral advancement and and with our education so that the darker sides of us of humanity don't don't just blow everything to hell and um so let's see education so i wear glasses i wear glasses now i didn't wear glasses uh when i was in second grade the first time i was in second grade i sat in the back of the class i couldn't see the chalkboard i didn't know why i couldn't see the chalkboard no one helped me understand why i couldn't see the damn chalkboard and so i ended up taking second grade again mm. for this reason and the <laughs> the absolute it's so fascinating like the the lord of the flies scenarios uh, the bullying everything it's so shaping like the shame that can get foisted on you as a kid within the education system all that stuff is fascinating it all goes back to like that uh, pink floyd song another brick in the wall like it's very much it's very much like that as well it's like the there can be a lot of uh, shame is a great tool to motivate kids for sure kids can be ruthless to each other ruthless uh, so that was like a formative thing for me i think for education um, but then i'd say the opposite end of that would probably be uh college going to this um, ridiculous hippie liberal arts school that was great it was on a thousand acre forested campus and um that's that was a, a fantastic rite of passage in a lot of ways and i learned to master at least one thing uh there which was uh, mushroom identification, <laughs> very, very useful in the real world, right? Um, probably also learned how to read. Um, and, you know, I, d I don't even think my prefrontal cortex was very well developed at that point, but still, it was still useful. And I still got some sort of foundation in maybe attempting to think critically. So, so yeah. those are two two opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to my uh, educational experiences. Yeah, so I think that that piece of critically thinking and and how how that either plays or doesn't play within education is an important piece. I think if you roll back to that quote, you know, civilization is a race. What you kind of said between understanding and catastrophe, because if you educate people uh, from the start poorly, or you educate them to down a path that leads to catastrophe, then education is not the, not the opposite of catastrophe. It's the, it's the end of it's the, it's the means to get to the end, which is catastrophe, right? So education can, depending on what education is, it can be a lot of things. I mean, if you were, if you were educated uh, under the SS re regime, then uh, you have a very you, you could have a very different moral uh, standing within the world, depending on what the ideas that were collectively kind of gathered by your brain are. Um, so as we as we kind of roll into to the start, to the foundation of education, and you think about where education came from and the system that we are still operating under, um, it really, really formalized education started essentially around the industrial revolution and the industrial revolution education system was to create 
workers. And we really haven't deviated all that far away from that education pattern. Now, as you mentioned, you, you may find yourself in some liberal arts school in the forest and, and luck out and, and learn critical thinking. But for the most part, critical thinking isn't, isn't really shared. I remember, I remember walking into a anthropology 101 class and uh, walking in with a stack of textbooks that was like yay high, about a foot tall, and sitting down first day and Professor Craig T. Palmer looking at everyone and saying, hey, here's what we're going to do for this semester. We're going to go through these things and we're going to you are going to find what's wrong with with these studies. And that concept was so mind blowing to me that we weren't gonna just look at these, these doctrines as uh, the gospel. We were gonna look at these things as pieces of human creation that could be flawed in many, many ways. So um, taking that idea of, uh, Taking that idea of critical thinking out of education, kind of thinking about the way we start our education career, uh, which is essentially penmanship, arithmetic, and some form of some form of usually history, U.S. governance. Um, what do you think is valuable? What do you think is valuable in that early primary? Where's the value in that er, early primary schooling? <clears throat> You know, I think one of the the main things you learn is is uh, I mean, even more fundamental uh, to that whole process, the whole modern education process, is learning how to sit in a room and do something that someone else tells you to do for yeah. whatever it is, six hours a day, eight hours a day, <clears throat> learning to see that there's someone else in charge. There's a schedule. You will follow the schedule. And learning that there are punishments for when you deviate from from what the authority figure wants from you, and you know there there are obviously some good things about that as well. But I think that's so fundamental to this whole thing, and and your mention of um, of of the roots of of our modern education experiment. Really, it's like a hundred year long experiment so far, uh, and it's I think it was called like the normal school. Back in the day, this was, you know, they wanted to normalize the teachers, normalize the curriculum, normalize the students so that everyone could um, tolerate a factory environment um, for the industrial revolution. And so, you know, it's, it's tough. I don't even know, like, I don't even know what to say about the value of some of that stuff. It, some of it depends on the temperament of the kids. I mean, some kids... You know, some, some educators say maybe you should just let kids be feral until a certain age. Maybe it's they're far too young, you know, when you're starting preschool, kindergarten, all that. Um, and so I think there's so many different philosophies of education out there that are interesting, different models of how, how you look at people. Like, are, are kids just little human adults and that's what you need to treat them as? How is it that you treat them? It's a fascinating question. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that, but I mean, we live we're sort of like fish when it comes to education, like education is water and we don't really know any other way. We haven't really thought of it. We just sort of drop into the prescribed routine and path that's put in front of us. And you, 
you go through the steps. Yeah. First grade, second grade, then you graduate, then you go to college and get in debt. And then you're wondering what you're going to do with your life after that. Once you finally sort of come out of all this. Yep. Uh, So uh, really interesting, Um, a remarkable amount of the education that has historically occurred in India um, is that feral system, right? It is, hey, kids are going to be kids. I think it's either, I think it's 12, but it might be 14 before they really start a formal education. And during that time, during that preschool time, actual preschool, before school, um, not school that happens before school, but before you actually get into school. <laughs> oh, that's great. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> there is, um, the, you know, your goal is to learn to socialize and to c- connect with humans and be a child, like explore, like do all those things. And I, I found that, I find that, st- I find that idea really fascinating. Um, and and when we look at you know how math and science and 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 ha- how much how much mental capacity is coming out of the Indian continent right now, they're certainly not lacking for for traditional for traditional education, right? I mean, they, the the amount of engineers coming out of India and going going global is is absolutely insane. It, it is a remarkable thing. I think. I think this kind of goes back into um, this really interesting idea, which is we have we have blended the idea of academic ability and intelligence, and we think that we've created this idea, uh, specifically here in America, that academic ability is the exact same thing as intelligence, and really. Uh, when you think about test taking, test taking, there's so much um, deductive reasoning that that is involved in test taking. If you're a remarkably good deductive reasoner, you will you have a significant advantage in academic ability that may have nothing to do with your intelligence. And on the other side, you may be in a place starting out from a very early age where you can't see the chalkboard, right? Or you're just not interested in what's going on. I was essentially failing out of high school until my first semester of my junior year. And uh, my parents had me pulled out of class and tested to see if I needed to get into special education classes. And upon upon that test, you know, that came back and they were like, hey, you know, he's, he's testing off the charts for this experience. And that actually made my parents more upset with me because they could not understand why I like I had the I had the intellectual capability to to get grades, but I wasn't doing it. And and it was just like, what is wrong with this kid? And the thing that turned me around wasn't getting glasses. It was getting picked on by a teacher. So a teacher was like, hey. Um, you know, the, the thing that te- the thing that teachers do where they where they call on someone who they don't think is going to get the right answer just to call out the fact that this person's not paying attention. And, and a teacher did that. But the question was about logic. It was like we were we were trying to find the density of chalk. And the question was something along the lines like, would it matter if you if you weighed the chalk before or after it was soaked in water? 
And that was just, that was a question of logic to me. It was like, well, yeah, obviously if you soak chalk in water, it's going to get heavier. So we're going to have it, we're going to have a different density ratio. Um, and after I answered that question, this girl turned to me and she was like, Hey, I didn't know you were that smart. And from that moment on, I got straight A's in school. All I needed was a little bit of attention from the female species. And I was, mm-hmm. I was a completely different student. I realized, oh, if like getting, if, if getting good grades is, I was getting bad grades because I thought that was the way to get attention. But if getting good grades is the way to get attention, this is the easiest thing in the world. Like I can do this anytime I want. And I think that moment is really impactful for me because it showed it showed this facade of, of education. Like my, my teachers prior to that moment would have told you I, I was not going to be able to do much in my life because I was doing nothing in school. And post that moment, I don't think, I don't think people would have recognized those two different people. And it came from one 10 second conversation. That is so interesting. Yeah. Motivation. <laughs> motivation, motivation is crazy important. Yes. Your parents must have been happy after that. Um, you know, it reminds <laughs> yeah, it, it I, I was a very mediocre student in high school until senior year. It was really late and I realized, oh, I I guess I'd, you know, maybe I'd like to go to college. I should probably just get try to just, you know, do better. And so I just got straight A's throughout the senior year. But I I don't know. Um it's interesting. Yeah. There's certainly like a different maturity level. People come online sort of at different times. It, but what, what you mentioned reminds me of this saying that like the, uh, the C students end up hiring the A students and the B students. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there are different, there are um, different types of ability out there. It's not just about the IQ. It's about the EQ as well. The For emotional. Sure. Absolutely. And and so trying to do what you can to round out your students, round out your kids, whatever it is, whoever you're interacting with, um, or just round yourself out to see your own, where you might be deficient, where it is you might want to add an additional skill or something yeah. to, get, to get you where you want to go. Um, I mean, I think we're doing, we're doing this topic, we're covering this topic because it's so obvious that that the system, the current system is not um, keeping up with how fast things are advancing. Um, you know, one thing I'll say though, before we just, I'm sure we'll just end up, you know, whatever, criticizing the current <laughs> system a bunch. One thing I'll say though, is I work with, uh, I work with a, an engineer who's, um, who's from China. Uh, he's born and raised in China and he came to the United States and he, we were talking about education here versus there and there's there's always this propaganda put out in the u.s of like look at these look at these chinese students look at all the drills they're doing look at how how intelligent they are and we're not keeping up in america right and his position is that the kids in china are not learning how to think for themselves whatsoever they're only learning drills they're only learning memorization and this is just what he has seen in his experience and in in his own sort of thinking when he was just embedded in the Chinese system. And so, so it's not all doom. It's not all gloom. I think there's a lot of hope um, for, uh, you know, for if, if you're in America or whatever, the Western world, it's, it's okay. 
you'll <laughs> you're you're better off than you think. Um, yeah. But it's <laughs> so. I mean, we've gotten in this position now. I think what's so interesting is like student, like uh, student, student debt is just a mess, right? The ed- educational debt. And the reason why college is so expensive now is because of student loans. This is a fascinating thing that people don't understand. But if you make a loan that's guaranteed by the government, where um, you make the loan, you know you're going to get your money back, then as an institution, you're going to raise your prices. You're going to let in whoever you want because those kids you're letting in to your institution are just cash cows at that point. And um, Yale, you know, Harvard, these schools actually used to be um, quite affordable. If you go back and look at the inflation adjusted cost of them, um, a year's worth of tuition was a few months of, um, of work um, at the Ford factory making model T's. And yep. So, it, so it, it's a total mess now. So now this has people wondering, what's the point in this system? Unless I want to be a lawyer, a doctor, something that needs that piece of paper, yep. what am I going to do? Or what, what are my kids going to do, right? Whoever it is you're, you're thinking about. Um, and so this has us looking for alternatives for sure. So I think, one, I think you're right about it's not all doom and gloom. I think that there... You know, I, I can kind of go back in my world and, and, and Craig T. Palmer was not the only person who, who introduced critical thinking. And I think that's really important. I also think we're in a, we're in a very unique space that has uh, advantages and disadvantages and, and all things do, right? But teacher pay, um, specifically pre- High school and below, right, is is um, pretty pretty terrible. I think pretty terrible is a good way to describe teacher pay. Um, and really, educational system pay is is um, not what it should be if you value education the way that I think we think we value education. And that means two things. It it means likely there are a lot of people who would be incredible teachers who are passing up on that opportunity because there's not a financial reward. And that's a, that's a downside. On the plus side, it means that there are people who get involved in education who are there for only the right reason. Like there, there are people who are there because they have this like deep rooted passion and desire to be beneficial to, to young humans forming themselves. And that's not everyone. It's definitely not everyone. And, and there are people that don't get involved because it's not the right spot. But there are, there are really good people who are involved in education. And I think, you know, as, as critical as we might be about education, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the people involved in education. I think that generally, I would say 90 plus percent of the people who get involved in education did it because of the right, the quote unquote, right reason. So I, that I think is really important. Um, when, when we're thinking about, when we're, when we're thinking about like this, what we do path and, and how, how we get involved and how we, how we overcome this, how we open doors without certifications, right? Because the system, the system was set up where everyone went through this primary schooling. 
And then uh, again, this is this is back industrial revolutions time. So it's a while back, but we haven't evolved the system to, to match the, the demand of society. The system was everyone went through this primary school, you got ready to work. And then a very small percentage of people were expected to go on to this higher education. And now, like, I don't know about you, but did you ever not think you were going to go to college? Was it, was it the senior year when you realized you were going to go to college? Or was that just kind of a thing you, you knew was going to happen? It was just, a, it was just, an, un, it was just an assumption. It was a cultural yeah. assumption that I would do that. Exactly. I, I think school, school probably, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's obviously designed for for that middle of the bell curve and that that's who it has to treat. Um, and people that are lagging behind or that are really advanced, they just don't, they're not going to be served well in that system. Yeah. The teachers, even if they are passionate, they end up in the school and they realize, Oh, I have to, you know, in most schools, at least I have to teach to this curriculum yep. because the kids have to pass a test because if they don't pass this test that the state administers, uh, then the school is at risk of losing funding. Um, if I take, I'm already getting paid poorly. I'm already kind of, you know, not in a financially good place potentially. And so if I take any risks, um, who actually has my back for me to take risks and and do anything sort of interesting with the kids? Um, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges, I think for any sort of teachers that want to, uh, push any type of boundaries or do anything unique within the typical, uh, you know, school out there. And so that's, that's a bit of a drag, right? You need to figure. And so, and so you need to figure out, well, the person that's being educated yourself, a family member, whatever, where are they? What can they benefit from? Um, I I think self-awareness is a really, is a really key thing. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about maybe some alternatives to college, those probably aren't for everybody. Like, I don't know if I was um, mentally or emotionally mature enough to do a whole lot more than college. Maybe, maybe I would have, if, if there would have been other options, it seemed like it was really the only option available. That was the track. I wasn't paying attention to anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the way it is for most people. They're just not I paying have that attention. exact same experience. There, there was, there's, yeah. there's almost zero variance if, in the way I would describe that experience for me. And I think, I think it's likely true for a lot of people because it's, it's also hard to think about. I mean, shoot, if you're an 18 year old and you're capable of thinking 30 years down the line in your life, you probably are not someone who needs college. Like you, you, yeah. you, you probably are, have figured more things out than I'm ever going to figure out at 18. So congratulations to that. But I think for the rest of us, we get done with high school and we just look around and say, I am in a, there's, there, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm supposed to be an adult now. I'm not, I don't feel like an adult. Like I mm-hmm. don't, it's, it's just, I'm just, a, I'm just a kid. And and college really, it does. It becomes like an extension of being a kid in a lot of ways um, because you you are still going to this schooling thing. You still have this kind of like um, unique position of being it, most most people are, are uniquely positioned in a way. Well, you can't you can't buy alcohol. Right. So there's still there's still right restrictions on you. Uh, you're, you're uniquely positioned. I think once you do go to college for most people. 
it's it's almost like folding back into the to the family. It's like I'm not I'm not quite ready to leave the nest. I'm leaving the nest, but in the summer I'm probably going to come home at least for the first two years. And it's like it's like kind of a, a testing ground for leaving. But now it's also like a fifty thousand dollar a year testing ground, and yeah. or, or significantly more, or significantly more, and. Um, Sure, there are options that are less, man, not that, not that much less. So I, I would say it's a it's a very expensive way to test your wings these days. And that is a pretty good problem. When when we roll back to the thing that you said about, about teaching to standardize testing, I think that is more or less an agreed upon kind of goal of the current educational system. Um you you in order to in order to really operate in the current educational system, that essentially has to be the thing. Kids have to be able to pass tests that are standardized and et cetera, et cetera. And in order to make that happen, you have to te- you have to be able to teach to pass those tests. What do you think the goal of education should be? Let me get out a quote from Alan Watts. Is great. <laughs> All right. So, so we've moved we've moved towards certification um and and climbing up this ladder so yeah let me read this the reward for studying french should be the ability to speak french and enjoy reading french and having fun with french people but when you get a degree uh but when you get a degree for it then the then the degree becomes the point and so i mean this is really where we've where we found ourselves that that you need that essentially the educational institutions have become gatekeepers and that if you don't have that piece of paper life can become much more challenging um but at the same time the piece of paper is becoming less and less valuable these days um more expensive and less valuable yes yes <laughs> and and so like the word i like the word scholar it this the word scholar means to like have be of leisure to have a life of leisure something like that education used to be for sort of like the the fun of it the for curiosity for discovery uh education used to be in fact sort of like a secret society like mm-hmm. it was when you when you think about um uh alchemy and then later metallurgy these were like like to figure out how to take ore out of the ground and turn that into metal this was not something that where it was like yeah uh give us some money and we'll teach you how to do this this was like see knowledge that was closely and carefully guarded because this was like back then that technology was somewhere between like a useful thing and magic i mean it was just like the most this and make this useful material that you just got somehow out of the ground and and so the occult the original sort of occult um nature of of education i think is is an interesting one and now we've moved towards something so mundane so boring i mean i i think about like with my own kids if i want to motivate them the last thing i do is tell them that they'll be learning something from (laughs) from what they're doing because school school has like hosed them in that way so hard um and and so you need to find a a more intrinsic a better motivator um sometimes it's just money like with my kids it's like well okay i'd like you to learn 
some stuff over the summer. Uh, I'd like you to learn how to type. I'd like you to watch some random TED Talks. How about if you type for 15 minutes a day and you watch a TED Talk every day, then I give you a little bit of money for that. Yeah. And that works like nothing else. It really does. <laughs> and, and that motivation will change later, I'm sure. But yeah. and it's just like anything, like probably the same thing, like the kids who really wanted to learn guitar, to play guitar, what was their motivation? Well, they saw some older kid who could play guitar and they saw all the girls around him, you know, and that was it, right? Just yeah. like you, that was the motivation. So we find ourselves in, in a strange place where we, we have really lost the plot on why we should learn anything at all. And we've reduced it down just to certification and a system of one-upsmanship where, well, you've got to get your high school diploma and then you've got to go to college because your high school diploma is useless. And then everyone has a BA or a BS. So that's useless. So you've got to get your master's and most people yep. have a master's. So why don't you get a PhD so that you can be totally ruined i mean you work, with, you work with phds you work with phds they're just some of them they're just different they've been so warped by that experience they're yeah. they're totally different type of animal yeah anyways that's a rant about education and and where we're at i think it's a very important i think it's very important though um you know one of the there's, there's two things so i'll take this back to episode five which is where our question from jess came from it was on gurus. Um, and Sadhguru is a guy I talk about a lot. And he, he repeats over and over that the only, like his only striving in life is to remain uneducated. So Saad means uneducated. So his, his, like, his, his name that he has taken on is uneducated guru. And, and he talks about how the intellect is only capable of, of dissecting the, the intellect on, only peels things apart and and separates and really when you think about putting putting things in your head they they do create the more educated we are the more separated we are and that's just like a general thing and you if you look culturally the more educated a culture is the more separated it is the more fences it has the the, the more guardians between between communication there are and that's just it's it's a very interesting thing that is true and it takes us back to a thing you said about the the value of of eq emotional intelligence um and i have never encountered any any portion of any education that i've gone through that had anything to do with emotional intelligence uh, and that is starting from from zero on up. And really, if I think about what what is the most valuable skill set in life, it's that. That is the thing that will get you get you further. That will open more doors. Sure, you can't become a doctor uh, on emotional intelligence. That's not going to happen in America. There are places where you can do that, right? Like if you look at if you look at cultural societies and humans, the witch doctor, the shaman, that was the person who held the fabric of society of these, these small societies together. When there was conflict, when there's conflict in a, in a, in a tribe situation, you go to the witch doctor, you go to the shaman and they're the one who, who has the solution. We've created a different formulation of doctor in America. And you can argue if that's better or worse. Um, 
And I think there, I think you can legitimately argue if it's better or worse. There, there are there are pluses and minuses, like there are in all things. But the fact that emotional intelligence is missing from the formal education system, and it's just kind of like, hey, we're going to put you all in a room together, so you're going to figure it out, is is a huge gaping hole in the education system to me. Do you see that same hole? Does did you experience any any emotional intelligence training teaching in in your education? God, of course not. I mean, they want you. It, it, they're just training you to, <laughs> to be a factory to be a factory worker, right? And that's that's a fascinating thing. And and what you it's you know it's interesting how how uh, you know people like kids that were raised in a family where let's say the family's ultra wealthy and they have a bunch of businesses and whatever, those kids, obviously they may, they have a higher chance of going on to take over the family business or whatever, and just be successful. I think part of that sure is access, but part of that is education from the parents and from the family that happens outside of the education system. Um, I mean, we're not, we're not robots, but essentially we're treated as interchangeable parts that can be, you know, placed into a you know a corporate role some kind of you know business role and then you know they spin you around for however many years and then when they're done with you they can replace you with a, a new cog yep. um and and it's interesting how incrementally it they just keep it it just is ratcheted up more and more i just see the pressure um starting in elementary school and middle school to prepare for college and it's like this is just a a preposterous (laughs) notion at this point in my mind like i think about some of the alter like all you have to do is just google if you don't want to if you've got someone who's going to be going into college or you're thinking about this for your own kids or yourself or whatever you could just google alternatives to college you would find all sorts of fascinating things out there i mean college doesn't even prepare you very well i remember this 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 one podcaster talking about how he went to school. I think it was in the eighties or nineties. He went to like a prestigious school for, um, for computer science. He got into a low level uh, programming job and he knew nothing. And the company that hired him, they sent him to this remedial programming class so he could actually get up to speed. So he went to four-year college for a specialized thing (laughs) at a prestigious university university that specialized in that discipline and it got him nowhere. And so this is why like Google is making their own curriculum now. You can just get certified by Google and then they'll hire you um, if if you want to do that. But there's so many other things out there, like getting back to the EQ, there's so many other things out there you could do if if you're willing to challenge yourself, I mean, if you, um, there's this guy, Doug Casey, hilarious rascal of an author and thinker. Uh, and he talks about how, if you want, like, if you, if you actually thought about your life, okay, here's an interesting model. So first of all, you have to have some self-awareness of who you are, what it is you want. And if, instead of going to college, if you thought to yourself, okay, I'd like to learn these three skills, whatever they are, so maybe maybe those are hands-on skills. Like, I would like to know how to build a house from the ground up. You can you can go somewhere and you can learn that. There are places where you can take a six or an eight-week course, and you and a bunch of other people learn how to build a house. Maybe you'd like to learn ceramics or a different language or cooking or 
ballroom dancing or whatever it is you'd like to learn, or maybe it is computer programming, some different disciplines. What if you decided to take, uh, essentially take up apprenticeships? This is an older model, right? Take an apprenticeship and, and actually find out where it is you want to learn this thing. Maybe it's where that thing is done best and where it's taught best. Go there wherever that is on the planet, go to a different country, embed yourself into a completely different environment that's foreign to you, learn that thing for a couple months, and then go somewhere else and do that with some other discipline. If you did that and learn just three different things uh, over the course of a year, let's say, after that year, the difference between you being a year out of high school versus someone who just went to college for a year and they're done with their freshman year and are about to go back home and live with mom and dad. The difference between those two kids and those two paths is night and day. You have so many different things to talk about. You've had so many different experiences. Maybe you even have some street smarts too, because you had to go, uh, you had to go to some different, um, different countries and interact with different people and be challenged. I mean, you don't learn anything about street smarts. And about sort of the the dangers out there in the world. Mm-hmm. You don't learn anything about emotional intelligence whatsoever. They don't mm-hmm. want you to know that. I, I really don't think they do. And they sure mm-hmm. as hell aren't going to teach you anything about money either, except how to get mm-hmm. in debt. <laughs> Apprenticeship is an interesting an interesting idea. You know, it's such a part of, of human history. Um, there are very few industries that still kind of apply the model. I'm curious as you say that, because one of the industries that I know still has like a, a dualistic approach is uh, the culinary industry. You know, you could become a chef as an apprentice, or you can become a chef by going through a, a culinary institute. And I wonder how that's impacted the, the rising cost of, of culinary arts i wonder if they've been i wonder if they have not increased at the same level as other educational systems i i bet that's likely true um because why i i you know that was it was a thing that i thought about in my life um and apprentice why would you not go through something learn from someone that you know that's going to care about what you produce because it also represents them and you get paid to do it why would you not take that path if you wanted if you wanted to get into the culinary arts? It seems it seems ludicrous to me to be like, nah, I'd rather go to a school, pay money, and uh, hope for the best. There are people that do it. I'm sure there's there's reasons why they do it. But um, the apprenticeship model is really interesting because it it also it solves um, it solves or it allows for a solve not doesn't necessarily solve but it allows for a solve of that that teacher pay thing. Right, because then the the most successful teachers would be the most sought after from students, and they would be getting compensated based upon based upon their ability. And there, you can really apply apprenticeship to any single any single profession. You know, if we if if we started over from scratch, or if we restarted over from scratch. And and we just applied this apprenticeship model to to the human race. I I wonder how different things really would be, and they would be significantly different, better or worse, whatever they'd be. You can you can kind of apply that. 
What, where, <laughs> if we did that experiment, Joel, that's a, that is a fun thought experiment. If we took that experiment, we just re-erased human history and everything became an apprenticeship. Is it better or worse? It's, it's probably dangerous to yeah. um, <laughs> try to change, to try to make changes to large scale complex systems. It seems like normally <clears throat> the uh, intended outcome, usually it's the opposite that happens. Um, yeah. almost everywhere. So I have no idea, but <clears throat> this example of cooking is so interesting. I mean, you, you cook something, you make something, what you produce is immediately obvious. There's a, there's a really quick feedback loop there and signal for, with regards to whether or not it was good or not, whether or not your work was good. And I can think of plenty of jobs plenty of uh, you know pursuits out there where the feedback loop is much slower and maybe even non-existent i mean there are plenty of just like complete garbage jobs out there where you know what you're doing isn't really adding a lot of value and the system is so complex and your role in it your part in it is so small people really wonder if they're contributing anything at all and what meaning that even has so you go through all the yeah. schooling and then you have this job and, and you don't even see any real utility, utility in it. But that apprenticeship model, that, that, that gets you to a place where you're, you're, you're having that human relationship with someone else. You're getting that, that emotional intelligence and that feedback, that EQ, and you're seeing the results. You're seeing the fruits of your labor in a way that maybe gives your life a little more meaning. Um, yeah. I think that's super, super important. Um, but none of these things are, are really even thought about. People aren't at all. Um, yeah. not thinking about, people don't even have a goal. I mean, I, I remember in, you know, maybe, maybe you take a test in high school or in college or something. Here, take this assessment and it will tell you something about you. But I, I don't think people think enough about even goal setting and thinking, having like a self-assessment of like, okay, here are my temperaments. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I like to do. This. Here's what I might like to do in the future. What would I need to get there? Right. Yeah. Skill wise, what would I actually need? And instead people just go through, you know, typical path instead of, and like, it's not a judgment. It's just, you're young. You don't know any better. Um, but yeah. it's, it's like the opportunities and the options need to be put out there for people. Um, and and they're not. And there's so many good things that uh, the self-authoring program, the future authoring program, those are fascinating. Different exercises where you can sit down and have questions asked to you about what would you like your life to be like in the future? And then also conversely, what would you not like it to be like in the future? And if yeah. you lay those things out and what behaviors, what things would I need to do to, to steer it in the direction I want it to go? What things would I need to avoid to make sure I don't fall into a rut that I don't want? Um, yeah. That sort of intentionality, I think, is lacking. It's definitely lacking today. Definitely lacking. And, and could so easily be integrated into, into the standardized system. That's the amazing thing. I mean, you could, you could put in these, these opportunities. You could put in these opportunities for for student kind of awareness is how I would describe that from, from the jump. 
Um, and it could impact the way that an education, like you could create educational paths that were, that were very personalized based upon responses to questions. And, you know, they'd be less personalized because as a six-year-old, your, your uh, responses aren't that valuable about the future. You, you want to be a superhero or a firefighter. And um, yeah, the, the, we, we can put you down a generalized path at that point. But I think you could create questions uh, that you could ask an 18-year-old that would enlighten things within them that they, they may not be able to come to uh, and they're on their own. And that is a really fascinating, that's a fascinating idea at, that offers a lot of, of potential insights for people. And, and you're, I think you called out, there's probably a significant amount of those resources available today for people. There's, yeah, there's so much out there and everything has moved towards hyper-specialization. Um, you have to, you have to get that degree in something very specialized and that's really, that's really interesting. Like it's what happens when you get ultra specialized is first of all, you're totally useless in any other discipline. It means that you can get a job in a certain field for a very narrow, um, range of specific companies that want your expertise. And yep. beyond that, you're useless. You're a totally yeah. useless person. You know, you're you're an engineer. You studied, you know, one particular alloy or polymer or one, you know, computer science, whatever, for this one thing. Yep. And that's it. <clears throat> and let's say, let's say you went to you're getting into programming. I think this whole thing about learning to code, if you want to code, great. If you don't want to code, but your parents are like, oh yeah, or or you're the parent <laughs> teaching and pressing your kid into coding. Are you kidding? Look at how many people in China and in India are learning to code right now. Like, unless you were at the top 0.01% of coders, you're just sort of like scut labor. You're just sort of like another cog in that machine. And so an, another thing to consider instead of, instead of like very deep knowledge is to go broader. And so if you have multiple different disciplines or fields that you have an interest in or different skill sets and yeah. you get to, um, and like people like Tim Ferriss have talked about this a lot. If you get to maybe 75% or 80% proficiency in a bunch of yep. different things, especially yep. if they're totally different from each other, you are going to see things that no one else saw that no one yep. else could put together. Uh, I think of like, don't know if I've ever mentioned this on like one of our way back episodes or not, but um, I think of like the company uh, Four Sigmatic, how they do mushroom coffee, right? They do instant coffee with mushrooms in it. And I think about, and, and what that company did is they brought, uh, they brought medicinal mushrooms to the public more than anybody else. And the yeah. person who, sh the person who should have done that was Paul Stamets, Paul, right? Because yeah. he's the, he's the mushroom guy, but yep. He is only, he is like super good at mushrooms and the medicinal properties and all that, but he's he the didn't, mushroom guy. <laughs> he's the mushroom guy, but he didn't yeah. see the other piece of it, yeah. which is how do I get this out in a way? How do I push the meme, the idea out there? And so it took someone else who had two different interests. One was yep. mushrooms and the other interest that the founder of Four Sigmatic had was endurance athletics. And so he paid attention to like the uh, benefits, the benefits of like cordyceps mushroom 
yep. for uh, endurance athletics and said, oh, I'm going to combine these two things together. How is it that I'd make this? And he also, I think, had some business background and maybe, I think his parents did too. So how do I make this into a consumer product? And I think yep. about that all the time. Like the people who and the companies who you would expect to make the next ad advancement, they won't because they're too specialized and they're focused mm -hmm. on this one thing. And it takes someone who has maybe less deep knowledge, but broad knowledge and a bunch of different disciplines that they can put together in a unique way. And so yeah. that's another way for, for people to look at this, to think about what their interests are, what their skills are, maybe what they could add to that that are in totally different arenas and then see what kind of magic comes out of that. Mm. I, that I think is a, a really, really important piece. Um, I've never really put all of that together the way you you just did. It's impacted my life significantly. I think that you, if you do look, it, it does the creating different perspectives within a single human entity offers that single human entity a lot of opportunity to to put put pieces of puzzles together that somebody might not be able to see, and. And you know that general that general kind of business business is is in especially in in our society right in a capitalistic society having a general base awareness of business is so valuable because it can be applied across essentially every every discipline like you you can take you can make money out of anything I will promise you you can make, there are there are things. You are throwing away today that you can make money out of. I will guarantee that. If I told you some of the things I made money about it off of, it would make your head explode. And um, I find that I find that discipline really valuable. But then also getting into like if you apply a broad discipline with a specific discipline and a specific kind of underappreciated discipline then you start getting into then you start getting into really valuable areas of, of cross contamination within the educational system yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's yeah. a, that's a really good that's a really good piece um, and and in a way you could make an argument for some for some education as it being kind of this broad spectrum of awareness of, around different subjects and on that like subject component, are there any, to kind of like draw this out a little bit more, are there any subjects within the current education system that you view as particularly valuable um, that, that could extrapolate out into this, into this idea that you're talking about here of, of cross-discipline awareness or knowledge? My gosh, I mean, it depends so much, I think, on the specific, <clears throat> excuse me, the specific kid yeah. what their interests are right but <clears throat> it seems like there's so many things that that if you just touched on them if you just gave the kid a little bit of exposure to them would be a very good thing but i don't i don't think they want that it's not really an objective the objective For is sure. it's a it's a sales funnel to get you into college sure. <clears throat> so they wouldn't they wouldn't want to actually teach you about anything particularly useful about about money or about business and what what business or making money really is in some ways, especially the way you put it before about turning ideas into money, money is just the proxy for value. Um, it just means that you're delivering value to people, that they find whatever um, 
solution or product you're offering to them, they find that more valuable than the money they're willing to exchange for it. And we do that all the time. And that's generally a good thing. It's a voluntary exchange and a voluntary exchange between people is almost always a good thing. And so, and even that kind of framing of what, what money is and what value is, is never even discussed. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. and so, and so people are not really empowered in any way. I mean, the, the great conspiracy here um, <clears throat> is that is that we're, you know, we're we're not encouraged to have a whole lot of self uh, agency. Instead, we're to, we're just encouraged to follow the path and to to go along with with whatever is laid out for us. And yeah. and to and so to break through that conspiracy to actually to actually figure out what it is you want to do for yourself and to take some personal responsibility there and to push in a different direction. And maybe that, do, maybe that doesn't mean you have to just, it doesn't have to be binary. You can do both. If you need to follow the conventional path, you can do that, but you're probably not going to master anything in college unless you do it in spite of college. You'd have to do it on the side almost. And so, yes. and that takes real discipline, right? That takes some commitment. And, yes. and that I think is something that, that is a message that's lacking that you're going to have to, it's going to be beneficial to you in the long run for your soul, for your dignity mm-hmm. to take some self-responsibility and to really think about this whole thing critically and think about what it is that you want and where that might be different from the path that's laid out before you by, by the culture. That is, it's pretty amazing that I inadvertently did that in college. So I, I was a film and TV production major. I was a film and TV production major for no other reason than it sounded fun. And what that meant for me is I, there's not a lot of homework in film and TV production, right? Like you don't need to, you don't, I'll, I'll be, you're not studying a lot. I was <clears> studying none, but what it allowed me to do is be exploratory with, with my real education. And I would attend classes all the time that I was not enrolled in because I found them fascinating. And people, people, professors would always ask why I wasn't enrolled in them. And because it, I, I, I wanted to learn this stuff. I didn't need this. I didn't need the stress associated with like being in, involved in, in, in that major. I didn't need the stress of, of uh, having to test on these things. I just wanted to collect and gather the, the information. And that I, I took, I took a full year's worth of classes studying uh, the fishing industry in Newfoundland, the cod fishing industry of Newfoundland that I wasn't enrolled in. And that has turned out to be some of the most valuable information that I have ever encountered because it was all about uh, understanding collective commons and, and how you deal with shared resources among humans. And man, it's there is just some, there's some, real value in what you described. And I lucked into that. Um, and I don't know, like, one thing is you could just go, like, you can just attend college courses. I mean, 
a, a lot of the Ivy League schools are now putting stuff online. So you can just do that online, but you can go in person too. You're not going to get kicked out of a class. Um, so if you're really interested in learning, there, there are lots and lots of ways to do that that are involved in the traditional system. And then as Joel's mentioned, there are, there are lots and lots of ways outside of the traditional education system where you're not locked in and where you're not um, put in debt. And, and the knowledge and the awareness and the experiential uh, component is, is still there and valuable. So with, with that, with that like piece of, of brilliance by Joel of like, Hey, you can, you can go through a formal education. You can do that, but likely you're going to need to expand whatever discipline you, you chose in order in, for certainly to create this broad spectrum of awareness of different inter, inter disciplines. Um, recapping and, and you tell me if there's anything else recapping. One thing that I, I think both Joel and I agree on 100% is the, the value of emotional intelligence uh, is completely under underappreciated within the educational system um, and within society, but it really does end up being one of the most valuable skills or assets that you will end up with in your life. Uh, Self-agency might be required if you're, if you're really looking to, to broaden your spectrum of knowledge and awareness. Um, and with that, becoming proficient in multiple disciplines uh, and the value that is available to be from becoming proficient in, in really different and unique um, skills it is, it, it is compounding. There are compounding benefits from doing such a thing. And, and don't be afraid to look into the different resources. Don't, don't think that there is only that one traditional path which becomes a state-sponsored funnel into a post-education that is a pretty darn expensive thing. <laughs> Anything I missed in there? I think you got it. I mean, this is, uh, we're in, we're out of the industrial economy. We're, we're out of almost like the information and technology economy. I think we're in the, the idea economy now uh, a lot of people have talked about that and and so being able to figuring out your skill set figuring out are you a leader or if you're not a leader what what are your temperaments how does that fit in with with your life making sure that all fits i mean we've talked about these alternative paths maybe that isn't right for you i don't know some people just need to fit in they really like following a set routine optimizing things making them better that's a beautiful thing, but if you're if you're a little bit weird, and then <laughs> then yeah, I think pulling together dissimilar disciplines and learning about the cod and cod fishing industry, whatever, you you just have no idea how that's going to inform your life later, but it absolutely will. And the yeah, the more different places you can pull information from, the better. It's just such an interesting thing, and so. Yeah, we yeah to close it out. I mean, yeah, we are in the idea economy. You, we live in an incredibly privileged time where you can get access to information and to do so many different things. And so, to take advantage of that um, is a great gift. Um, yeah. It takes extra work for sure because you're not just plugging into the system and being told what to do and following their directions. Mm -hmm. But 
the reward for that for that is uh it's probably just incalculable it's just yeah. such a great thing yeah almost certainly incalculable i mean almost certainly there is there's no way that you could you could put a value on on the things that are going to become you and how those things are going to impact the 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 life that that comes from that moment where you have added these additional these additional skills and and knowledge bases and awarenesses Joel heck yeah man <laughs> yeah. cool what what a fun conversation thank you so much and uh, we'll do this again soon sounds good yeah <laughs> all right man cool thank you thank you how's uh how's optimus going oh pretty good pretty good i'm gonna be doing some uh wholesaling to this one website and uh yeah it's going good having fun with it focusing on that and uh you know family and all that kind of stuff trying to keep everybody keep everybody sane keep everything together so yeah I'm gonna see what time it is here, real quick. You got uh, uh, eight fourteen. Perfect. Perfect. Cool, man. All right, good. <clears throat> cool. Thank you. I'll let you get awesome. back to your day. That is a that's a beautiful setup there. I love that. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So, did you want to pick out uh, the topic for the next episode then, or what are you feeling? No, I I, I like that you pick out the <clears throat> topics. How about that? You, okay. you keep doing topics. I'll I'll okay. send my suggestions from now on because cool. to add to the pool because I, I know yeah. I haven't been doing that. Um and I've let so many just go through <clears> the filter <throat> of the brain and disappear down the drain forever. Um but I will I will just when those pop up, I'll send them to you from now on. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Does that Can work? You, it's good to it's good to grab them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because they will go away from me. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for fitting me in today, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. See you. Talk to you soon. Yep.